everyone and welcome to those of you locally welcome to a Wednesday night service and as you know we live stream the service so those of you following uh, following us online welcome to you also we want to start by having a word of prayer but before we do that I've got some sad news for those of you who know brother Harold Wedderburn he passed away today sometime and um, he has been sick for a while and um, tragically he did not survive but I think he was up in age he was I think maybe over 80 and so has lived a good life he is living he was living in California so for people interested in going to the funeral it's going to be quite um, a journey anyways we want to pray for the family and um, we want to remember the service tonight and everyone having a Wednesday night service we want to pray that God's spirit would be with them and that they would have a, a beneficial spiritual service join me in prayer please our Heavenly Father we thank you, dear Father, for the privilege you've given to us that we can call you our Father. We thank you for the privilege that we can come before your throne of grace and approach you and bring our needs and requests unto you, Lord. Tonight we want to thank you, first of all, for life and for those present in this sanctuary tonight. Lord, we thank you for the way you've helped us over these past years, and we really appreciate your hand of mercy, your hand of grace, your hand of protection over the lives of your people, especially in this assembly. We give you thanks, Father, that you've kept us safely, and we anticipate you keeping us safely, and not only in the past, but you will keep us safely in the future as we endeavor to face this world of crisis lord these are uncertain times and we need your direction we need your guidance every single day for the rest of our lives father bless the service tonight touch the hearts of those following us online and those present in the sanctuary father we ask in jesus name amen and amen before we start singing I would like to remind the ones locally in this church that if ever you have a question, because we have been dealing with uh, serious subjects recently, when I say serious subjects, complicated little lessons, I wish the Bible was a simple book that, you know, you start on one side and go through the end. But Jesus himself never made it easy. Uh, he taught in parables that those whose eyes God would touch, would see. And he told a handful of simple men, he said, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and blessed are your ears, for they, see, they hear. And he went on to say, he says, wise men, great men, have desired to see the things you see and to hear the things you hear. And the gospel is not complicated, but it's given in mysteries. And for the children of God, Scripture tells us it is given unto us to understand the mysteries of God. May God continue to help us. And so for those of you that hear a complicated lesson and you have a question, 
feel free to write me a little note and pass that question to me. And if I can, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but if I can, I'll do my best to give you an answer to the question to the best of my spec, um, to the best of my knowledge or to the closest speculation. God bless you. Let's join in this worship tonight. Lord, you're worthy of all praise. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're Lord, hear my prayer. 
it's just more of you. And yet I empty and bare, Lord, hear my prayer. More of you, more of you. I've had Sorry we had to cut the length of our worship service because Nadine, she is loaded with work. She was able to sacrifice her time to come in here tonight to play for us. Um, and so we appreciate that. I'm glad that you can join us. And like I said before, if you have a question regarding any one of these things we're talking about, because I'll... I know it's very complicated and sometimes we tend not to be able to follow. So what I'll do is these streaming services, I will direct some to talk about prophecies and end time events and the rest mainly to deal with what is existing in the world and how we can live for God in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Paul made that statement and I will <clears throat> Put my Bible on this little stand here so we can look at some of these. In the Philippians, the second chapter, and tonight I'd like to talk a little bit more about Revelation, but before we go there, in Philippians, the second chapter, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he makes some beautiful statements here, uh, encouraging the church, uh, an epistle of exhortation. And so, uh, Paul and Timotheus wrote this letter uh, to the to the saints which were at Philippi, and they had they had an established assembly with bishops and deacons in that assembly. And in chapter two, Paul made made a beautiful some beautiful statements after talking about verse five. He says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." And we have gone over that so many, many times. To have the mind of Christ is not a walk in the park 
like some individuals would say. It takes an entire life sometimes to develop the mind of Christ, to be able to think like Jesus. And when I say that, I can be a little bit extreme, because if you hold your finger in Philippians, the second chapter, and turn back with me, now turn forward with me to Revelation, the 14th chapter, I want to show you how much this challenge is ahead of us. Uh, John writing this uh, and e explaining the visions he had in Revelation chapter 14, he says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him an hundred, forty, and four thousand. A hundred and forty and four thousand. All right? having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, what it means to have the father's name written. Revelation, as you would hear over these many services, is a book of symbols. And when you see a, tongue, a sword coming out of the Lord's mouth, it's not a sword. It's a symbolism. When you see Jesus described as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, he's not a sheep. Uh, descriptions that are written in parabolic symbols. And it will take God an inspiration to decipher what we read. We cannot literalize it, even though some parts might be literal. And so, to understand Scripture, we need God to touch our minds. And so when John is writing here, he describes the, this 140 and 4,000 having the Father's nature in their forehead. In other words, you know what it is to have the Father's nature in your forehead? You think like God the Father? Uh, because they're not only thinking like Jesus, they go beyond that because they're already changed. Uh, they're being resurrected and given immortality. And so their capacity of thinking has grown to accept the greater knowledge. Right now we're finite. You're finite, I'm finite. Uh, we can only think within a certain box. And someone uh, is, uh, it, it, there is strong speculation that the age we're living in, an age where artificial intelligence is being developed uh, very fast and at a rapid pace. Artificial intelligence, and that is before long, uh, man, pe people will lo lose their jobs because the computer, we can set it up in such a way. Computers will take over. Already assembly lines are handling, are being handled by computer technology. Um, long ago, you have to have a man putting parts in that car. Today, machines are doing it. And uh, before long, you would not need a lot of bank tellers. Uh, you would have machines doing it. Already simple stores like Dollarama, some of these uh, more advanced Dollarama stores have self-checkout. That means less one teller, less one person that they cash. And so as we move ahead, technology is advancing, but this should not in any way impede or hinder the growth, spiritual development that God expects us to develop. And so as human beings, we have a problem here growing up, but 
the 144,000 having the Father's nature written in their forehead, it is a lengthy period of time that you develop ways of thinking like God. There, as we go further on, and I'm not going to stay long on this because it says, these are they, verse 4, uh, they're standing before the throne of God. This is, I believe, in heaven, uh, before the throne of God in heaven. And verse 4 says, these are they, let me back up, verse, verse 3. And they sung, this hundred and forty and four thousand sung, as it were, a new song, before the throne and before the four living creatures, or beasts, the, the King James translators put it, and the twenty and four elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Now they're no longer on the earth, they're standing before the throne of God. They were redeemed from the earth, it gives us a indication that they are no longer on the earth, but they are in heaven standing before the throne of God. Uh, verse, verse 3 explains that it's 140 and 4,000. All right? Now, and then going down here, the verse I want to bring your attention to, it says in verse 4, These are they which were not defiled with women. Now, that's a very technical statement. It doesn't mean they were not married. Actually, there are groups of individuals uh, some in our own fellowship that believe the bride of Christ is made up of single men who were never married. A woman has never touched them. <laughs> now, uh, we don't believe that. We believe this woman uh, that they're not defiled with is the woman of Revelation 17, which describes an evil system, an apostate system, a religious system that influences religion, not only Christianity, but all religions. And they were not defiled with women. It means they're not contaminated uh, with uh, the false religions of the world. Now, I've got your finger in Philippians, the second chapter, and I've got your finger in Revelation, the 14th chapter. And I want to turn back a little bit with me here. And, you know, when I come and I sit here and I'm starting to talk to you, that's when we decide uh, where the scripture goes. And so here in, in uh, chapter 6 of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, uh, Solomon is writing the book of Proverbs and he's making some statements. And verse, uh, verse he talks about wisdom and he talks about a lying tongue, six things, verse 16, Does the Lord hate a proud look, lying tongues, a hand that shed innocent blood, and he goes on like that. And he said, um, <clears throat> he says um, in verse 24, uh, this wisdom that God has given mankind and his commandments that he has given mankind is to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Uh, this is speaking of uh, this apostate system that is in society that could be very deceptive. Uh, if, you, if you back up a little, and I don't want to carry you too far, if you back up a little in chapter 5, uh, Solomon writes and he says, My son, attend unto my wisdom. 
attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest, by listening to the wisdom that Solomon is giving, and the understanding he is giving, he says that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. I know Malachi, I think it's in the Old Testament. Uh, it might be in, in uh, Malachi. Uh, one of the scriptures in the Old Testament says, The priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they that seek the law should seek it at his mouth. While here in chapter 5 of Proverbs, it says that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge, for the lips, the lips of a strange woman. This is not talking of about a woman down the street somewhere, but this is, uh, we're trying to look at the spiritual interpretation of this. This strange woman is an enticement from apostate religion that tries to catch you. And this is very, very important because the body of Christ the work of God must be sanctified from apostate Christianity. But it is so easy to be misled in the day that we are living in. I was saying on this past weekend that when I came on into the United States in 1975, I felt God brought me in. And I said this before and I'll say it again. I was never fished in. As a young man, God was dealing with my life. And I, I was listening to Sister Chandry all the details prior to my birth and how step by step God protected my life and how he led me and brought me to the United States in 1975. He brought me into the United States and at that time there were things that I had to accept uh, because, you know, you're a part of a, a group of individuals. But most everyone that I met in 1975, uh, most of the ministers in that period of time, in that vicinity, deteriorated and moved on out of what we call the body of Christ. Uh, they, they dispersed. Uh, different means come on into the church. But I felt God brought me in and he touched me that very night. I landed in in Hartford, Connecticut. And since then, I have not uh, uh, veered off from the goal that is set before me. And God has continued to work in my mind. And I could be distracted, I could be caught away, because as a young man, I was totally caught away with evangelism and, and individuals that were out there in religion. I've mentioned before, uh, old Roberts was one of my favorite uh, preachers out there as a young man, not married, maybe 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. During that period of time, old Roberts uh, was one of my favorite. Uh, Dr. Billy Graham was another one I listened to. But some of the popular ones that I really admired was um, uh, T.L. Osborne, T.L. Osborne and A. A. Allen. A. Allen, Time Magazine, had him as the, one of the greatest miracle workers of his period of time. One of the greatest miracle workers in his period of time. Brother A. Allen. And uh, T.L. Osborne, I liked him and we had movies with him. And he was quite a 
modest, very nice man, and they had a lot of miracles that they did. I was native evangelist, Morris Sorello. Morris Sorello was another powerful man in his time. I was one of his native evangelists. But making a long story short, God sanctified me from all of those. Um, there, was a, there were little booklets I had written by Catherine Kuhlman, uh, one of the powerful miracle workers of that period of time. I never saw her, just read her books, her little booklets. And when I came to America in 1975, uh, right down to 1977, I was privileged to see Catherine Kuhlman on television. And when I saw Catherine Kuhlman for the first time, I thought she was a witch. This miracle worker woman, as far as I'm concerned, was not under the influence of the peaceful spirit of God. She was sinister. She was witch-like. And she would, she would stay like, stand in a service and tell your brother, Terry, in your pocket you have a wallet. Pull it out. And he would pull out a wallet. And she says, you have a driver's license. Pull it out. And he pull it out. And she tell, I'll tell you the number of your license. And brother Terry hears that and he comes to the altar. God does not do nonsense like that. God is not into show business. And you call it discernment of spirits. They, that's what they call it. Uh, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I call it demonic activity. And when I came on in, you see I was coming from heathen religion where the devil was real. You cast the demon out, it's either you cast the demon out or the demon casts you out. You're dealing with real situations. But a Sinbad lived next to me, and we've got to talk about some of these things sometimes. He lived next to me. As a matter of fact, I, I moved in next to him. And right across from where we were, uh, but a Sinbad and Sister Helen, his sister, Sister Helen moved into our home. Uh, she's now married to Brother Richard. Uh, but uh, Brother Sinbad, his mom, and his dad lived next to us, and our house was there. We built a nice little house next to his house. And across from where I was one morning, prior to my coming to the States in 1975, like six months before, uh, one of the neighbors sent over a little girl to talk to me. And Brother Sinbad, you should remember this. We're not talking about somebody else's gospel. We're talking about our gospel. It's nice to talk about Paul's gospel and Peter's gospel and the miracles they did. But how about what happened to us? And this lady from across the street, she had a daughter. Her name was Shanti. And she sent a little girl over and says, Uncle Desmond, could you please come over? My mom wants to see you. And I went over and I'm walking across. I think there's a big problem. Shanti is sick. And as I'm walking up the step, I can hear Shanti's voice. I don't want you to come. She did not even see me. But a strong masculine voice says, I don't want you to come. You're not coming in here. And so when I ended up and walked through the door, there was Shanti sitting on a bed full of demons. And I asked the mother, how long has she been, been like this? She said, well, it was about 12 weeks or 10 weeks and we took her to a witchcraft worker 
and she's got to go for 13 weeks. And it's already 11 weeks. I said, well, she's going to stop going to that witchcraft worker today. But the demons are going to affect us. No, we're going to stop it today. And I live, we stayed long enough to take Shanti out of that environment and put her uh, somewhere in, um, not far from where we were, in someone else's house. And uh, when the final day came that Shanti lost all the demons, uh, she was in our little church in Port Morant. And when we cast the final demons out, Shanti looked at me and she says, Uncle Desmond, what am I doing here? She did not even know how she got there. But it's in that is there. Shanti had teeth marks on her back. And somebody says it's all mind over matter. Well, I want to see your mind bite your back. She had teeth marks on her back. And when you walk in there, when I leave home, uh, that demon would tell Sister Tate, who, whose house she was in, he's leaving or he's coming. Demons were powerful. So when I ended up in Hartford and they were all casting demons out on tissue, I think it was a joke. Well, you got a demon, say, Satan out and you spit on a tissue, that's a joke. We can fake our religion or we can be real. And uh, this was real. Um, Sister Chandri and I, when she got married, I took her, I took her from a peaceful community into hell. And she rides with me on a motorcycle. And we went up to her 57 village uh, to have church. Poor kid. Uh, she's coming from a very nice, decent family, and I'm taking her into hell. And we had service that night. I remember. We had service that night. And when church was over, um, a gentleman that visited this, the little house, the meeting was under a house. And a gentleman came over and he says, uh, this is my sister-in-law, not his wife, his sister-in-law. And she's got something bothering her. And uh, church is over, but can you still pray with her? So I said, sure we can. And there was that young lady standing there. And I said, everyone gather around and we are to sing a song. We started to sing a chorus before we prayed with her. And she fell on the ground. She fell on the ground and was completely out. And then I moved everyone around. And I said, I went down on my knees. Chandri was there. You remember that incident? And I looked down and she closed her eyes and they like that. I said, now, you're not going to play games with me. Sit up. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> and the girl sat up. And I said, now open your eyes and look at me. This was real. And I don't know if Chandri was having cold sweat or whatever, but she opened her eyes and looked at me. And I said, now I want to find out what your name is. You see, those days we talk to the whoever is possessed. And this girl, she turned away. I said, now focus on me and look at me and tell me what your name is. And she, with a man's voice, she said, my name is Ben. Pretty girl, but her name was Ben. Okay, Ben, tell me about it. Well, I possessed a man whose name was Ben, and I killed him in an accident. 
and her husband pulled me out of the car crash. And I followed him home to his house and possessed his wife because I didn't like him. Now that's demonic. That's the real thing. Well, that's vulgar and lewd and obnoxious demonic possession. But Paul says the devil himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. He's a preacher of the gospel today. And he would create services that you think God is moving when God is not really moving. The devil is moving. And if you're not smart or wise or have a spirit to discern what's happening, you'll be caught away and be deceived. We're getting back to that in a little bit here. But this is the time we're living in. And we're living in a time where it's not obnoxious possessions anymore. It's spiritual possession. The devil has transformed himself as an angel of light and his ministers as apostle of righteousness. But we should compare with what went on before. And when we compare how the early church was, and I told someone today, that my, yesterday, that my examples of scripture strengthen my faith. What do you mean your examples of scripture? The men of scripture. Jeremiah was one. He went in, whenever they see him coming into town, they always, they were always worried because that man is coming, he has nothing good to tell us. He will interpret prophecy and Hanani and Shemaiah will interpret prophecy. Hanani and Shemaiah said, captivity will be two years and you're back into your own place. Jeremiah came, he says, not two years, 70. Which one do you think the people wanted to hear? Two. So when, when Hanani was so bold and bounteous and he says, two years, Everybody say amen. <clears throat> so convincing that even Jeremiah says amen. Have you ever been in a meeting where you're forced to say amen? Yes. I've been in many, many meetings where I would like not to be obnoxious and I like to join the group in saying amen. And Jeremiah looked at Hananiah and he says, when the people said, Amen, he, it gave him and I courage. And he walked over to the prophet of God that God had sent, who had a wooden yoke on his neck. And he took the wooden yoke off of Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And he says, thus, this is how God will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, we're not living in that time, we're living today. How many Hananiahs we've got in the world today? If I'm a Hananiah, you're damned. Amen. Amen. Don't look at me like that. If I'm a Hananiah, your soul is already undermined. But you know, when Jeremiah left there in defeat, he was embarrassed. But he wouldn't be embarrassed because the yoke was broken and the crowds are following Hananiah. He went home and the Lord says, don't rest. 
The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and says, Go back and tell Hananiah that he's got one year to live. Because he taught the people to trust in a lie. And we're talking about hundreds of years ago. Well, today, I don't want you to trust in a lie. And that is why every time I come to church and I pray that God will touch my mind, he would give me a message that you do not have to trust in a lie. Yes. I want you to understand the word of God. And there's more to prophecies. Godly lifestyle is my major theme. I told someone this morning that some are pro-Israel, some are pro Palestinian I am pro-humanity anybody that needs God I'm pro that person if Israel sin I'm not pro-Israel if the Palestinian sin I'm not pro-Palestinian if Canada sins I'm not pro-Canada I'm pro-humanity and anyone that would want God in their lives in their life, that's the person I'd be there for. And so back here in, in Proverbs, uh, after we finish Proverbs, it's, it says here, there's so much. Uh, you know, uh, this might be with the way we're going tonight. It says, for the lips of a strange woman, chapter 5 and verse 3, drop us honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. Uh, the message of apostate Christianity, and I hope that's not a part of what we're doing, is beautiful lessons, smoother than oil. And but her end, the end of this woman is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down, uh, go, uh, her feet go down to death. Her steps take a hold of hell or the grave. Uh, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, fickle, that thou canst not know them. It's hard to understand it because she is fickle. And Solomon says, verse 8, Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. And that is why when you go on Facebook, listen to me everyone that likes Facebook. When you go on Facebook, there are things that you need to avoid. I'm not talking about pornography. I'm not talking about you know, like, okay, um, there are some ungodly things that they're showing. No, I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about you developing the spirit of a harlot, that you're not satisfied with the truth, that you've got a fish around to everywhere there's some preaching going on. You've got to be making up your mind whom you want to follow. You've got to come to the place of being able to drink water out of your own cistern Amen. and uh, Solomon he went on further on here he says lest thou give thine honor uh, let me back up verse 8 remove thy way far from her and come not nigh to the door of her house he says lest thou give thine honor unto others if you put a concept out on the on social media and you support a concept on social media that God has not ordained you're giving your strength 
to that which God will destroy. It is important to listen to me. And a lot of folks don't like my bluntness, but that's me. I'm, I just got to be me. This is what God has called me to do. And before you know it, strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. Isn't that sad? Uh, looking at what strangers do. I'm still waiting to see when the people I ministered to would have the courage enough to come over after service is over and says, Brother Singh, thank you for that message. There are a few people that will do that. Sister Carol, you're one of those that will, when a message touches your life, as a matter of fact, not even touching your life, you would come over and say, thank you for that message. But I wish people would have the courage to do that, not fake it, but have the courage and thankfulness and gratitude not to be like the nine lepers that ran away, but to be the one that will come and say, Lord, I thank you for healing me. The age we're living in demands this. And thou mourn, you give your strength to strangers, and you mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Because God, if you're elect, God will judge you. And you would say when it's all over, when Brother Singh is dead and gone, you will say, how I hated instruction. And my heart despised correction. And I have not obeyed the voice of my teacher. Nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. You are blessed to be in this assembly. Don't be unthankful. But you know, courtesy is something that you give. You must be a part of your life. And then coming back here, it says, I've not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. You can sit right in church and the devil takes a hold of your life. All evil can destroy you while you sit in the congregation of the righteous. We have an enemy that it was created to work to deceive us. But his deception would be stalled or hindered as we yield our lives to Christ. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It means in the meanest of circumstances I can live for Christ. And whatever opposition comes against me, I can still live for Christ. And then Paul, um, Solomon went on. He says, I was almost, verse 14, filled. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And then he says here, drink waters out of thine own cisterns. And running waters out of thine own wells. And this is telling us about this strange woman, how she can lead you. And how you can be caught away with things in this present world. And if ever there was a time where the devil has opened a lot of voices, it's in this age that we're living in. With the internet, you can hear a lot of voices. And if you've got the spirit of harlotry that you develop from the system that's apostate, 
you will find you're not satisfied with what you get and you've got to hunt around to see if you can put some likes on some other things. And that's your source of life you ignore and you try to find every other source of life. Bad age to live in. I know we stream using the ungodly system to stream this, stream this message across the world if we can. But if I had the power to shut the internet down, I'd snap my finger and shut it down. And you want to find God? Come to church. You want to, you want to seek after and find something? Then make it. When I grew up, if I wanted to talk to a friend down five miles away, I'd take a bus or walk or a bicycle. There's no phone. Those were simple days and when the kingdom is established, simple days would once again be restored. Technology would be dissolved and simplicity would come back. And that is why to rule and reign with Christ, we need the mind of Christ. And so back here in Revelation 14 chapter, back in Revelation 14, it says, These were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, it is something to understand what you're talking about. These are not defiled with women, but they are virgins. It means they were decontaminated. Hold your finger in Revelation 14 and back up with me again to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he's trying to salvage this church that was already too far gone. And in verse 1 he says, What to God that you would bear with me a little in my foolishness, because that's what they thought he was. And they thought he was a man that was losing it. You know, <clears throat> as I get older, and saints get familiar with me, you can think I'm losing it. But if God has called me to the ministry, I have not lost it until he says it. And when I say, launch out for a draw on the right side of the boat, don't give it a shot on the left. If I say, go around the Jericho one day, each day for seven days, and on the seventh day, go seven times and then shout, don't try to bring an army to lead me in front. He wants the priest in front and the Ark of the Covenant. God fights his battle his way. We must come to the place where we allow the Word of God to have priority in our lives. And then Paul is writing here, he says, What to God you'd bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I'm jealous. A pastor <clears throat> develops, after preaching so many years, he develops a spirit like the Father, where I, very strange, you know, when I was growing up I had a problem with this, because when I read the commandments, and the Lord says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, for I am the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. I said, what? God is jealous? I thought a husband would be jealous over his wife, or a wife be jealous over a husband. I never knew God would be jealous. Well, the Bible does say that. God is a jealous God, 
And he's not only a jealous God, but when he judges, he judges the first, second, third, and fourth generations. He rarely judges many generations. And he's a jealous God, but so was Paul. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he says, I'm jealous over you with a, with a godly jealousy. He says, he says, for I've espoused you to one husband. I am engaging this church to one husband, that is Christ, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. The church did not start as a chaste virgin. I'll tell you what the church was comprised of. In 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter, uh, let's see here, chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, he says, um, let me see, <clears throat> no, verse, uh, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, Paul says, no you're not, verse 9, chapter 6, verse 9, Know you not that the unrighteous, everybody say unrighteous, unrighteous, shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither, let's go slow, fornicators. Say it everybody. Fornicators. Try it again. Fornicators. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that is a man that thinks he's a woman nor abusers of themselves with mankind. People want to pervert uh, the sanctity of marriage and bringing in all kinds of perverted sexual activity. He says, nor thieves, verse 10, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of this will inherit the kingdom of God. Next verse. And such were some of you. See, what Paul was doing, he's taking contaminated people that come on into the church and present a gospel and allow the Holy Spirit and the sanctification of God's word to take those people from a mentality of a sinner and make a scene out of them. Take a contaminated woman and make a virgin. Amen. See, in the world out there, you can't, when you lose your virginity, you lose it. In God's kingdom, you've already lost your spiritual virginity, while the church is to take you back and make you into a virgin. Paul says that I might present you unto Christ as a chaste virgin. Amen? Amen. Chapter 11. He says, I, I will, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, verse 2. That I, for I espouse you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin. So back here in Revelation 14. These are they, verse 4, which were not defiled with women. Because the ministry and the work of the church has perfected them that they are now virgins. I don't care who you are, if you're effeminate, if you're gay, if you're a murderer, if you're a thief, if you're a fornicator, you come into the church and let God cleanse your life and work in your life and work that sanctification process in your life. 
You could be a virgin. But the devil is so subtle that he can bring spiritual fornication in the church. He can bring spiritual adultery. He can bring spiritual idolatry. So you're not looking at natural sins anymore, but you're looking at spiritual contamination. And how would you understand that? Except God give us a ministry that can pinpoint these spiritual deficiencies within the church. Spiritual fornication is subtle and worse than natural fornication. I wish to God you would understand the depth of what I just said. And so this 144,000, let's read it, we got a few minutes left. It says, these are they which were not defiled with women for their virgins. These are they which follow, now, 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 hold on a minute. They follow who? They follow the Lamb. Well, Brother Wedderburn is going to have a funeral. Do I go or do I not go? If I got a lot of money, I would not even pray about a thing, just book a flight. But God has put affliction in my body and a hole in the bank. So I can't go everywhere I want to go. And he has wisdom in what he does. He never errs in judgment. The other night I was thanking the Lord for allowing me to fall off the ladder. And break my heel. Can you come to the place of understanding how God is working and thank him for the bad days? Because the bad days will do more for your spirit than the good days. The bad situations in your life would help you to mature better than the good situation. All things, but you know, uh, we used to sing that when we went into Anglican school, uh, have morning devotions. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them. And you think everything is wise and beautiful. No. My examples in the Bible is not only Jeremiah, but Isaiah. They killed him, cut him in half. Every one of the prophets become an example. Most of the disciples were martyred. God's people and Rome and the ungodly system of this world martyred them. And the greatest apostle, like Paul, if you want to call a person a loser because you're looking at natural circumstances, well, Paul, how many churches you got left? None. What happened, brother? I thought you were in the ministry, you had some good churches. Well, I had some in Galatia. No longer they vote, vote, vote me out. I had some in, I had Corinth and Philippi and I used to visit Colossae. What happened, Paul? 
All they which be in Asia, in, in Asia has forsaken me. These examples of Scripture strengthen my faith on a daily basis. There were times years ago when you go to church and there's just five people. I remember the days when we started church when I was a young man, not married yet. And I would go up six miles away and have a little church in a place called Gibraltar. I go to keep a service there. And when I go to keep a service there, and there'll be five or six people show up. That's a big crowd. Remember, I started a church in a place called Rose Hall. And when I started, young man took a gas lamp, pump it up, start in Farley School. Farley's your family, right? Farley School, put a light on, start and wait, and nobody comes. Not a single soul come out to service. And when I'm taking the light out, the kid, kids in the neighborhood next door, they're laughing. Brother, there's nobody in church tonight. He's not having church. I remember those days. I didn't give up. I got a few of that finally decided they're serving God. And we preached one time. We run meetings and preached in every street corner in Rose Hall. And ended up that night in front of the cinema. And the meeting was going so strong that the cinema people were running out. That's where my brother was in. And he ran out and he saw his brother. They thought it was a riot. And he ran out and he ran in back. But we finally had a church in Rosal. It takes patience. It takes determination. It takes God. My examples are the men in the Bible. And as I look at all the examples, the greatest example is the Lord Jesus. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being found in the form of God, thought it not equality with God, something to be grasped at, but made himself of no repetition. We live in the world, everybody wants a repetition and a name. But Jesus becomes the example the mind of Christ is not something easily achieved. Let me finish the scripture here. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they're virgins. These are they that not follow their own agenda. They follow the Lamb with the server he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth is found no guile. For they are standing before God without fault. May God help us to come to that place where we can stand before God without fault. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Wednesday night. Lord, it almost looks like mission impossible, but with your spirit, we understand it's not by might, nor human power, nor human wisdom, but by your spirit. Father, please give us of your spirit the genuine Holy Spirit. Not fabricated spirit. The genuine Holy Spirit. Please give us the spirit of your son. Our Lord Jesus. And help us to live for you. In Jesus name we ask it. Amen.